Filibuster received sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. I guess we should start with some some news that isn't terrible. Uh, so yes, yeah, the, the only is, good news. So it's a little palatable uh, at the beginning, so that we can tough this the rest of this out. Um, the Spirit were at Audi Field. They sold the place out. Um, it was pretty awesome. Uh, I don't know what else, uh, what else to say. I think the word "awesome" is in my head because I was transcribing some player audio earlier, and I think. Um, I think every player we spoke to said awesome at some point uh, <laughs> in describing uh, the whole thing. Um, they needed a win so that, you know, the soccer side of it went well. Um, but also just looking around and seeing like it was an MLS size crowd for women's soccer in DC. I, you know, it's as pretty much as good as it's going to get. Um, that stuff is pretty cool. And also it goes really far towards, um, furthering what you know i don't know that they have specific plans to ever move to dc but if they're going to have those plans you everyone needs to keep coming to the games at this rate um you know almost eight thousand last year was pretty good i think the team said that they could make was that the record last year yeah last year was their old attendance record with with it was um seven thousand nine hundred seventy six and before the before they played that game the owner at the time, the, there was a sole owner at the time, uh, said that they could make 8,000 work. He said that was a, a, a viable number for them. This time we're talking about um, 19,871, which that number, you, you might have seen other numbers. Um, I think that number was given, uh, a, a wrong number was given out and then it was corrected later. Um, and corrected so yeah. upward. Yes. Uh, but yeah, you know, 19,871 that's for those of you who are uh, good at mental math you've already figured out it's a lot more than uh 7,000 uh just under 8,000 um carry the one yeah yeah that tracks so so yeah if if you've been the kind of person who is saying look I want to go see the Washington Spirit play soccer it is difficult to get to the soccer plex on a consistent basis um maybe the best way outside of like calling the team and saying like hey uh, I would buy season tickets if you move down here. Um, but the other way to do that is to make sure you're filling the Audi field when they do play in the district, because then you're making you're making it hard for them to to not want to do that. Um, and there's another opportunity in what, like two weeks on September 14th. Um, and they've already sold, uh, I think it's 7000 tickets. And I, um, I know from the build up to this game that. Uh, they had sold, I want to say they, they were telling me between six and 7,000, um, back in like, at like the end of June. So like a six week run up, they were at this number. So now we're talking like they're at that number. There's two weeks to go. They just impressed everybody. Um, so I assume that we're going to be talking once again about a very large crowd. Um, they, I think they are intending to have a same, a, the same size crowd. Um, so it was a it was a pretty cool night uh, for everyone except for the traveling Orlando fans or the Orlando fans who happen to live up here. Uh, they probably had less fun, but I think even they could concede that it's a pretty big deal uh, to see the spirit go from I mean, where they were last year um, to where they are this year. It's kind of whiplash inducing. So um, all that's all that is good news. Uh, it was fun. Uh, it seemed like it seems like they're going to you know there were a couple. A couple of little um, wrinkles that weren't didn't go quite as planned. I know the gates weren't open till an hour. I, I'm hearing that they want to do better about that. I think they um, they actually said after the game without being asked that they wanted to do better at that next time. So look for that to change. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's probably that game on the 14th may be your last chance to have fun watching soccer in DC this year. That is. 
All right, before we we break in, dive into that notion a little more, uh, I wasn't at this game. I was at the game last year at Audi Field um, when Tobin Heath shot the ball through the dang net um, to to win it for the Portland Thorns. And it, I, I wish I could have been there uh, for this game this weekend because it sounds like a Portland Thorns kind of environment, which is the the gold standard for women's soccer crowds, and to get even close to that just or just getting a sellout is incredible it's amazing and it sounds like the crowd was super engaged and really hanging on every single moment especially at the end when it got real crazy um and it reminds me just going back to before audi field was built and before they had even finalized the the architecture the the sales center that dc united opened up in union market um, in Northeast DC and, and talking to people who work for the front office there mm-hmm. and, and people, multiple people in a conversation would come in and look at it and say, man, it would be great to get the spirit in here with DC United and pl- people with the team saying, yeah, we, we hear that a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and then, and then goes, seeing it happen is awesome. And right. I and want that, more of it. That goes for the employees of the spirit as well. They they know uh, that you'd like to them to move, and you, I mean, like probably everyone listening to this, um, you know, they know that that everyone wants them to move to DC. But you you know, the only way, the only thing that us without billions of dollars can help uh, is to keep you know keep showing up um, because yeah. if they if they want to make that move and there's not like joined ownership there, then it has to be a situation where they can afford to play there. And that means they can't have a game where only 5,000 people show up. It's got to be a bigger crowd than that for it to work. So, um, you know, it's been cool seeing people put their money with their mouth is um, on the two games they've had. And it sounds like the third game is going to be the same case, but uh, it'll probably have to keep happening. Um, Assuming I assume it's safe to assume that they are going to come back in 2020. It's, I wouldn't hazard a guess as to how many times they want to come back, but um, I know the ownership of the the club is very ambitious uh, now. There's a lot of emphasis on um, not just being happy that they've improved some stuff, but to continue uh, at the same pace. They they don't want this to be like, well, we improved the one year and now everything's good. Um, They want to just keep uh, climbing, climbing up. So hopefully we can get to that point where it's easy to get to, the games because that's you know talking to dc fans that is the thing that i hear every single time i talk about the spirit is someone tells me i can't get to the plex very easily and i say i know <laughs> um i know it's hard to get there uh i can't fix that for you but you know maybe if we're all showing up we can kind of fix it i don't know though hopefully on that note, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, Jason Anderson, Ben Bromley. We're all from blackandredunited.com. We talk about DC United. Sometimes we talk about the Washington Spirit or the U.S. national teams. And right now we are talking about the Spirit because, as Jason said, it's the only good thing happening right now. Uh, the rest of the show will not be as fun or happy or optimistic because we're talking about DC United, who are not having a fun, happy, or optimistic time of things right now. They lost uh, three games in eight days, culminating uh, this weekend. We're going to talk about the the two most recent of those. Uh, Two-to-one loss at home to the New York Red Bulls. Threw up in my mouth a little bit right there. A 3-1 loss on the road to the Philadelphia Union. Um, Before we, we get to that, a necessary hurdle. Well, not even hurdle. We're going to call it a a lucky pit stop along the way. Is uh, this question, Ben? What are you drinking? I went with uh, bourbon and vermouth. And given the team we played this week, I'm not going to call it by its traditional name. But I, I am drinking bourbon and vermouth. They are Sweet. from in, they, they they are from New no. Jersey. You can call it what it is. I mean, I I guess, but I I don't want to even give them that. All right. Fair enough. Nothing from that part of the world, apparently, will come out of Ben's mouth tonight. Correct. Um, I, uh, not in a condition to to drink hard stuff tonight, so I am uh, 
nursing a dogfish head super eight uh goza which is pretty tasty it's brewed with various tropical fruits and you know has the obligatory salt and uh salt finish and everything uh it's it's pretty good very drinkable very refreshing kind of beverage uh not what we deserve for following dc united right now but what it was was what i needed at the moment so we'll call it my batman beer i guess i don't know jason what are you drinking it took me a second to even figure out what batman beer would mean um (laughs) i have uh some mezcal and some jalapeno limeade uh it's not the appropriate drink for for the aftermath of this yeah that sounds too pleasant we should all just be uh like chomping on jalapenos yeah or, or just like old tree bark we picked up off the ground just uh out of anger it's it's rough it's the bad. tree bark no the games are you saying tree bark is smooth i'm saying tree bark is better than these games no that's that's true i guess we have to talk about them now what a bad damn week uh like i said at the top three losses in eight days dc united now find themselves in fifth place in mls's eastern conference just five points above the line separating the playoff finishers from those who are going home early. Um, we'll talk about the loss to New Jersey first and then later get to the loss against Philadelphia. Buckland folks, this is, this is going to be a bumpy ride. Um, never good to lose at home to the metros. Just as a general rule, your, your oldest, um, most hated rival even if they have some new dalliance um you never ever want to lose to the red bulls least of all at home um especially when when your season is potentially hanging in the balance it just every everything that was could have gone wrong it feels like did go wrong um that said uh i don't i don't know what where you guys want to start on this one i i think before we get to, I guess, the controversy or, or the, the big decisions in the game, um, just out of the gate, DC United gave up a goal early. TT Rodriguez couldn't clear the ball. Um, before that, um, way too easy to, to get to the end line and cut the ball back. And then, um, I don't even remember who scored it. It it was Kaku, wasn't it? Who who scored the opener? Um, but just but after bad. Felipe had a chance to get the ball clear and just didn't. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was that was Rodriguez. I thought no, it was Felipe. Maybe it was Felipe, Felipe. had the, okay. the misclear. I mean, the whole sequence was bad. Yeah. DC had multiple chances to get out of danger and didn't. Um, yes. But then Felipe, it's it, it's him that has the final um, clearance attempt that becomes here. Kaku have the ball. Yeah, he settled it instead of just getting it out, which obviously was the wrong decision in the moment. Um, DC United, and this has been a theme for a little while, and you'll hear about it again when we talk about the next game. DC United just can't get out of their own way in the opening stages of a game. Yeah, um, I have some numbers on this that are... I'm looking at them, and I'm or I'm upset, and I haven't even had to say them yet. Hashtag um, sad stats. That's... that's that, I, believe, I believe that, that belongs to a different show. Um, Although they... They haven't I, been on in a while, so maybe the sure, maybe the I, trademark has been abandoned. I don't I don't know how a theoretical podcast trademarks work. Um <laughs> but uh these stats are these stats are sad. Um yeah. whether or not they, they can be used the same way. Um in the last eleven games, DC has conceded eight goals in the first twenty minutes of games. Aye. That ha- that those eight goals have come in seven different games. Um ah. so, Philly, which we'll get to, is uh, the one that adds the that eighth goal uh, because they did two. Um, four times, they gave up a goal inside the first 10 minutes, and that includes both Jeez. of the last two games. Um, yeah, uh, DC, when they lead at halftime, they are unbe- unbeaten, untied. They've got nine wins in the nine games. They've gotten a halftime with a lead. All of their losses and all of their draws have come in the games where they are not leading at halftime. They did win once. Um, I can't remember which game it was, but yeah, one one win, nine draw, ten losses when 
not winning at halftime. And when you combine those two things, uh, you kind of sum up why this team has been so bad lately because they can't shift the game state and they keep giving up goals in the, the first few minutes of games. All right, we can end the show there. Like, we, <laughs> I don't think we need to go any further, it's, except we do. It's, it's it, it reminds me there was that stretch in 2016 where they kept giving up early goals, except several times they came back and had insane high scoring wins. Um, this is like what those games should have turned out to be. Um, because you know, you remember the union came down and took an early lead, and DC came back, and I think that was like 4 2. And then R- the RSL game, uh, which was 6-4 in the end, um, was a game where DC gave up two goals in the first, like, eight minutes and then came back to win. Um, and at the time, we were like, hey, the reason this is amazing is because it's almost impossible. You give up two goals this early. You do not come back and win very often at all. Maybe not once for like, – it might not happen again for, like, five years. And here we are in 2019 – DC gave up two goals in the first uh, 15 minutes. They gave up a goal in the sixth minute against the Red Bulls. And this is what actually happens when you tend to do this. You tend to then lose the game. Sometimes soccer is crazy, stupid, fun. Sometimes it's just stupid and painful. And unfortunately, right now we're in the latter. Um, Frustrating for me is uh, Ishmael Alfeth may... I'm saying his name correctly, but I'm convincing myself that I'm not. And so I'm going to say it one more time. Ismail Elfath um, was a central figure in this game. The ref made himself a story, but DC United were so bad out of the gate and, and unable to do anything in the second half that I can't even pin the loss on him. And that makes it even more frustrating. I mean, yeah, we, well, yeah, I mean, I don't I mean, know. I don't it, think they lose the game without the, I don't think they lose the game without the penalty call, which was not a penalty. Um, True. I, I think they were shifting. They had taken control back in the game. I think that maybe they get a draw and that would have been a frustrating result. Um, but Elfath got that call demonstrably wrong, had VAR call him. And then still that the group of them couldn't get it right. Um, it's, it's hard to get past. Um, they shouldn't have been in a situation where they were that close, where they, you know, one bad call could turn the game like this. And they certainly had time to then get an equalizer. But nonetheless, um, yeah, that call uh, is ludicrous. Uh, and it's it's not it's a thing that happens in MLS to everyone, but it doesn't make it acceptable. We all have to deal with the one or two games a season that get sunk by the fact that MLS referees are often not good enough. And um, Elfath at one point a couple years ago was having, he was among the best, but this year I feel like every time I've seen him, it's been like, wow, what happened to you, man? Um, and this was right down at the bottom of those uh, bad Elfath games. Yeah. I, I can't really get mad about the, well, I can get mad, but not at Elfath about the red card on Rooney. Um, yeah, I mean that's completely different. Like we we, yeah, we gotta yeah. treat those two things completely they are, differently. They are. Yeah. The penalty was I mean, it, there was contact, which is why I think VAR was there. Overturn. Was there? There was. There was. Not, we don't know because Elfat seen... never looked at it. No, but there are replays that you can get without having to go. I, the I'm, replays I'm I saw, not, I am, I, I'm comfortable, I not, Ben. I'm comfortable I'm admitting there was the faintest of contact. Um I, I don't think it was a foul, though. I think it was yeah, a dive. I, yeah, I, I think when you watch Mario's foot and leg, it doesn't really move at all, um, which tells me that if there's contact, we're talking about, like, the lightest of light contact, like maybe, like, a, a single leg hair um, coming out of the back of his sock might have been touched. Um, but, yeah, he he put his right foot down correctly and then fell over. He, did, he chose to fall down. Um, and this wasn't a, like, I got kicked, but I need the referee to see it anyway. This was a, I am taking a dive in the box to win a penalty kick. Um, and, you know, not not, not only Elfaf, but the, the AR on that side should have been in position to also see that and mm-hmm. say, hey, you know, that's not a foul. Don't don't call a penalty kick here. Um, and, the, and the whole fact that uh, 
Elfath didn't go to the board and at least take a look at it. That to me, that's the worst part is that he didn't even take a look at it. And what I think happened on that, what I think happened there is the VAR said, it looks like there was contact. And he said, that's good enough for me. It's not going to be clear and obvious because contact did happen. And that's it. Even if it was obviously a dive and, Right. And that's, that's, I don't know. There's been so many things that are not clear and obvious that have been overturned almost always in the direction of calling a penalty, which I think also was part of the problem here um, is that it was, it was called a penalty. And so that's, I guess, apparently harder to overturn, which doesn't make a lot of sense because a mistake is a mistake, no matter which way it cuts. Um, Regardless, he needs, it's a bad call and it's frustrating. Yeah, they, and they've and, got and to change the rules a, that he. They got to change the rules that he needs to look at that. Like, if he made that same call after he looked at it, it still would have been wrong. But at least we could have been like, well, he looked at it and somehow he thought it was wrong, but he didn't even look at it again. Uh, I'm not even mad about not looking at it because I mean, oh, I'm the very, VA, I'm the very VAR mad has to tell him the VAR. The VAR tells him, I think you made a clear and obvious error, or the VAR tells him, I don't think that, and they talk through what it was and. But he can the, tell the Vieira to go the two kick rocks. Them. He's the center ref. He can go tell the Vieira to kick yeah, rocks. Yeah, and he's not going to go to the board to question his own call unless he's told you you got it wrong. Like that's the V that that's where it comes down. He's not going to say, "Let me go to the board." Very few refs are gonna are gonna do that unless it's over. Unless it's he's obviously wrong, and he was obviously wrong. But apparently. MLS refs miss a lot of obvious things, including VARs. Yeah. So v- VAR was brought in to avoid the MLS refs are obviously wrong. Like we find a way to work around it. We put in this thing and uh, sometimes it helps. Sometimes it doesn't. As often as not, it it doesn't. I'm, right. I, I was a defender of VAR at the outset, and I think um, the implementation it, has been very poor. Yeah, it's not the concept's fault that if this is like VAR is like zonal marking, it's not the concept's fault that it's it's not working. It is when the you execution. put it in the hand of people who don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, it's, and tell them to make it work. They don't know how to right. do that. Um, yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean, away from the penalty, I actually, I guess the one thing I, well, not the one thing, but um, another thing that uh frustrates me is that we saw after the red card that DC changed the way they're playing. They went to four, four, one, and they started playing a lot of direct balls to Kamara or to Ariola. And they all of a sudden started creating danger. They started being more dangerous than they had been at the start of the game. Um, it's almost like uh, what Mark Fishkin told us last yeah, week was we, true. We talked about this on this show. Um, and it seemed like uh, the Red Bulls press you. Uh, obviously, they make it hard to play those balls with any accuracy. But when you're at, you're in your down a man, and the Red Bulls are still pressing you, and you're suddenly finding a way to play them, that tells me that you could have found a way to play them at the start of the game if you're ready to go, or if it were made a point of emphasis. So I, I question as to whether that approach was made a point of emphasis before the game, or if DC were trying to attack the Red Bulls in some other way, but. As the game uh, went on, it became quickly apparent that you can you can hit the Red Bulls with a two man attack if the if the pass out to the wing is accurate enough, um, you can cause them real problems. Uh, and it it does make me wonder if if DC had come out with that approach from the start and had come out with um, a better mindset to be and and after the game, Olson did say that they spent all week talking about how. The Red Bulls are going to start start the game high high speed, high press, physical, uh, aggressive, in your face, all that stuff, and you have to be mentally ready for it. Um, and he seemed almost at a loss as to how the team wasn't ready for it. Um, so, you know, does that fall on him? Does that fall on the players? I don't know. If he, if he spent the week preparing them for it, then you would think that they would be prepared. So either the preparation wasn't good enough or the players aren't listening, or something is off. But it sounded like they they knew what was coming, and they still weren't ready. So something is definitely off in there, whether it's, you know, what side of the ledger is on, I'm not sure. Um, it's probably all over the place. Um, but it's alarming, uh, because the, the number of fixes for that are pretty limited. I know, I guess, in, in DC United's defense, the Red Bulls did come out in a new look. 
It was sure. unexpected to see them do they a diamond. They haven't, and they haven't played huh. a diamond in months. Um, that said, so, they're they're still doing the same things they do. They might be coming yes. from slightly different angles than you expect, but you still know that they're going to be there, and you have to be thinking as quickly as you can and thinking ahead and being ready. And there's also, if you get, if you come out against a team that high presses you and they've changed formation and you're a little confused, there needs to be like a baseline understanding among the group. Like, Hey, we've been caught off guard. Just start hitting the ball out of bounds until we can get our feet under, you know, hit it upfield to nobody, clear the ball, whatever. Um, play survival soccer for 10 minutes just until we can fig- start to figure things out a little bit. And then we'll go back to doing what we were doing with some alterations that we kind of, you know, we're conceiving it on the fly, but at least we get something. But first things first, let's not give up a goal in the first six minutes of the game. And oh, DC never really seemed to accept that they were in, they were in immediate danger and they just didn't get it. Do we want to, End this segment on a good note. I mean, we got to talk one. about the we got to talk about the red card, the Wayne Rooney red card. At we least do for yeah. a couple of minutes. Yeah, that's true. I mentioned it earlier, but we didn't go. Yeah, in but we got to actually talk uh, about it. Yeah, yeah. So Wayne Rooney sent off after VAR review in this one um, during the tussling leading up to a corner kick. Um, a Red Bulls player sets a pick on him basically, and Rooney puts his hand his right hand kind of next to his left shoulder puts his forearm out a little bit and just runs through the guy's neck, um, knocks him down. Elfath goes to the monitor, comes back, issues a red card. Um, and, and that now we, we know has the, the one game suspension that follows that, which was the Philly game has now been extended by a game to two games, which is anytime you have violent conduct it's, that that's going to happen, you're going to get the extra game. Uh, so Rooney will not be in uniform against the Montreal Impact for Free United next weekend either. Um, yeah, not good. And I, I think kind of I don't know what Rooney was doing on that play. Like initially you see a replay you're like, oh, it looks like he's trying to get his arm out of the way of the obvious pick. But I, I think he I don't know if he he had a moment where he thought he was Laton and would just get away with it or or what. But it's kind of indefensible. Yeah, I think it's a pretty obvious red card. And uh, like you said, anybody except Slaton in MLS gets a red card for that. And uh, but yeah, he, he, he arm barred a guy's neck. It, it, it's a red card. And I don't know what he was thinking. And it's, it, it, that's just what you get a red card for that. It's, it's not just an MLS thing. It's, uh, it's a soccer thing. You can't, you can't do that in professional soccer these days. It, so it's, it's, it sucks for the team, but it's just what happens nowadays. Uh, my read on it. I, I think I agree that he had to get a red card. Um, my read on this is that there is less of an intent there and more of a carelessness. Um, I think he moves his arm forward and he kind of, um, catches Casarius in the shoulder first and sort of runs up the shoulder because he's got a height advantage and his arm just sort of runs up the shoulder. It follows the line of his shoulder up into his neck. Um, had to be a red card. This was one where Elfath used VAR correctly. Um, the only time. Right. So, so congratulations to him on get, getting a 50% uh, correct uh, <laughs> uh, score. That's good enough to fail in school. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think, Rooney had to be sent off. I do. I kind of disagree with Adam when he said that this fault would fall under violent conduct. For me, this fell more under um, one of the, the, you know, some of the hands to the face uh, red cards earlier this year, um, where I I think this is more accidental and a red card rather than intentional in a red card, which I know intent is not supposed to be part of this, but we give out suspensions based on intent all the time. Um, and right. I think the red card one, is not based on intent, but yes, the extra the game yeah, should extra be game, the extra game, I think, um, is excessive. Uh, but also at this point, this is Rooney's second red card. So once you get a second one, you start to lose any sort of uh, benefit of the doubt you might have gotten. Um, so I wasn't surprised when he got a second game. Um, at the same time, I know after the game, Rooney said that um, 
he was going to consider appealing the the card. Uh, he said he, he didn't want to say anything and he would contact the Players Association before he did anything else. And we didn't hear anything until today. Um, the the news broke that he is going to miss the Montreal game. So, um, yeah, it, it's it made for maybe that's what makes both of these games very irritating is that both of the first halves are where all the bad news is. Um, because, you know, not only do we have a goal against in the sixth minute, uh, a, you know, a red card that is avoidable, uh, you know, you don't need to use your arms like that to defend Christian Casarius. He's not a threat in the air. Um, if, if Rooney is a step closer to him, he doesn't, Casarius isn't able to make the run into that space where he needs to use his arm to make the push at all. Well, Caceres um, was, was standing there. Rooney was marking another guy and trying to fight through the pick. Um, uh, he's a basketball. I remember happening. That, that's, um, I mean, I watched, I watched the highlights beforehand. It looked like he was, it was a pick that he was trying to get through um, to, to chase a guy who was making a more of a near post run. Um, and cause, cause Caceres was just standing there uh, during the play. But in any, in any case, but, yeah. um, there, there, you know, Jalen Robinson picks up an injury that that may end up being knee surgery, which would end his season. Um, yeah, this first half was a nightmare. Um, there's there's very little good to come of it, uh, except for Amro Tarek getting uh, a second yellow of his own, which was at least kind of amusing because he seemed yeah. baffled as to what he had done wrong. It was like, dude, you did everything as you did, could to get sent out of this game, man. You, as you, did all of the announcers. Oh, the so I I was on on both sides. Yeah, I was on the uh, the Flow Sports feed, um, or no, it was on Twitter. Yeah, this the, game was this on was, Twitter. This, and this wasn't Flow Unimas, Sports. It was on yeah, yeah. So the the Unimas English language announcers, who who whose names I'm not going to bother to try to remember right now, they were so bad, and they completely missed that there had been a yellow card to Amro Tarek in like the 38th minute. And so when he got the second yellow in stoppage time and he got sent off, they were convinced and talking for the entire rest of the game, including well after halftime when they could have figured this out at the end of the game, even they're talking about how he got sent off for a descent and an immediate second yellow, even though the referee didn't show us two yellows there and a red, it was a yellow, which he then switched to red, which is means that was the second one. It it was only uh, like, I, I listened to the uh, DC United feed initially, and uh, Dave Casper and De- uh, Devin McTavish got it right. And then I, when I was rewatching it, I uh, had the uh, unfortunate uh, Red Bulls uh, feed, and they also got it wrong. So only Dave and Devin got it right. Well, I think I think it was this was an issue of people not being on site versus people being on site because right. Um, the first yellow card to Tarek happened right when Robinson was being taken out of the game. So the cameras, if I, and I didn't, you know, I was at the game, so I wasn't watching the feed, but it wouldn't shock me if more attention was being paid to um, the injured player being substituted off. Mm-hmm. And they probably missed the yellow card. Cause if I'm not mistaken, there was a call and then Tarek was given a yellow card, like seconds later, it wasn't a call and an yeah. immediate card. Yeah. Um, the ref so went I- to check on, Robinson and then yeah. wave the trainers on and then gate. But it, it was clear from when they cut to wide angles, mm. it was, it was pretty clear that, that Tarek had Amro Tarek had gotten a yellow card just from his reaction and the way players were talking. If you've watched enough soccer, you at, at a high level, you recognize the context right. clues to there was more also, than just a foul called here. And I also wasn't there. I I, I, I wasn't it. there either. I was in the mountains watching right. this yeah. on a tiny on, on my laptop screen, actually on a tablet screen, I think. So it, I saw it. Adam it, saw it to get better. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Do better. People who get paid to describe what is happening, <laughs> get better at that. Um, ending this segment on a good note, as I, I hinted at earlier, you can't spell Golazo without Ola. I apologize for nothing. <laughs> Ola Kamara with uh, a, a goal of the week candidate in this one, receiving the ball uh, on the outside and, and cutting in towards the, the corner of the 18 yard box. And 
zero Red Bulls players stepping to him and he just curls it. And Luis Robles is not tall enough to save that shot. Um, and and good. that was, was really that good. was the equalizer. It was real good. That's why that's why they paid him two point five or paid uh, Senjen uh, two point five million dollars to get him because that that's what he can bring to the team and it was really good. So I am looking forward to seeing more of that uh, the rest of this year and then in the years to come. Yeah, I thought you know it's a special goal, obviously, um, but you know Kamara's whole performance was pretty good. Yeah. Um, even when asked to play up front by himself, uh, if he were fitter, I assume he would have been able to play the full 90. Um, it's a shame for DC that he wasn't because um, they might have ended up getting something out of this game if he's on. It's not Ameriquois' fault um, necessarily, but if if Kamara's out there, maybe we're talking about a draw instead of a loss. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a good – it's not the kind of goal we should expect from Kamara. That's not really his thing. His thing is the easy goal from in front of the goal. Uh, he doesn't score too many of these, but – it's nice to know that when the chips are down, he also has this uh, as an option. Um, it, it was a pretty spectacular goal. He seemed um, after the game, he mentioned that uh, it, we were talking to him in the locker room and he, it was asked, you know, you know, you score against the Red Bulls and he interjected to say like, I've scored many goals on the Red Bulls. Um, so he seemed, he seemed happy about that prospect as well. So <laughs> Um, that's a good way to, uh, acclimatize yourself to a new team to get, to get people on your side really quickly is to immediately go out the first time they've gotten to see you in person, most likely, and score a goal like that. That's, you know, that's about as good a start as you can ask for. Hopefully he keeps it going. Uh, hopefully he scores some tap-ins like he had with the crew back in the day. Um, hopefully he, he just keeps balling out because that'll be good. Um, both during and after Wayne Rooney's tenure here, assuming Wayne Rooney plays any more games and isn't just suspended or hurt or traveling or whatever. Um, I'm going to stop myself there before I just talk myself into a very, very dark corner. And instead I will say, we, we will be right back. Thank you for listening. Please stick around. This is Phil Buster. All right. Say you're at work. And uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster sadness and death welcome back <laughs> to filibuster the black and red united podcast um death cast the, the sad cast um dc united didn't just lose to the red bulls last week no they also lost to the philadelphia union uh they went up to chester and fell behind three to nothing then they got one back and looked a little better in the second half but the first half was was where the game was decided um and and all but put to bed and uh yeah three to one following up their five to one loss to philly at audi field earlier this year and like just a few weeks ago really um and and i'd be okay if instead of playing philly ever again we just played orlando city instead because amazing things happen when we play orlando city now well those are the ones where rooney gets to play um (laughs) That's, that's Orlando, 
Orlando could come up next year and like Rooney will somehow be allowed to sign a one game loan to DC United uh, the day before the game. Um, he he will kick it. He will kick a ball from uh, Derby, and and it'll just <laughs> land in Orlando's goal, and it'll just count as a goal against Orlando City. It needs That's to happen over much. the summer, and he needs to, at the very least, take the ceremonial opening kick, just so that he has influenced the game somewhat, just to get the mojo. Uh, but that mojo uh, doesn't work against the Philadelphia Union and not that he was even there for this one. He was suspended for this one, as we talked about in the last segment. Um, Jason mentioned it too in the last segment, not one (laughs) early goal against in this one, but two, one in the first 10 minutes and one in the, another one in the next 10 minutes. Um, Yes. DC United was on track to lose this game nine to nothing at one point. If soccer scoring worked in a linear way, luckily it does not. And United only lost three to one. I mean, the first half was a hellscape, and I don't think there's any other way around it. They played some of the basically the worst soccer they played all year in this first half, and it there it it was it it was a, such a it defining characteristic of this season that they that like the closed door meeting that happened uh, uh, yesterday or today is probably uh, too light to change what happened in this game. This, this was an awful, uh, an awful proceeding and this could just put the game, put the rest of the season into a tailspin because it was so bad. And I have other like big picture feelings about it, but I'll let, Jason talk about his feel his immediate feelings first. Well, I, I want to share with everyone that I didn't experience this game when you all did. Uh, most likely uh, this game happened at the same time as the spirit game. Uh, and so to pay attention to one, I had to necessarily ignore the other. Um, but we do have a site slack room. And so very quickly, almost, you know, when the, um, the first goal was scored, I started to see, um, some comments in there that indicated to me that something bad had happened already. Uh, and then about 10 minutes later, uh, I think, um, I don't remember who put it in there, but someone wrote that game. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'm going to now completely like if, if it was background noise before, I'm now going to completely block it out until some other time um, because it sounds like it's just going terribly and it's going to ruin my good night here at Audi field with all these people for the spirit. So I pretty successfully blocked it all out. Just didn't didn't contend with it at all. Um, and then and I was also- over on I was over on the the black and red United Twitter running that for the night. Yes, um, doing my best to make sure you saw every bad thing by saying this oh, no, sucks. Uh, Go follow I, Jason Anderson because he's at the Spirit game. Uh, I actually will share this. Uh, the way I use Twitter during games is I just have the notification screen up, so I don't see anyone else's tweets unless I go looking for them. Um, so That's I didn't know what was going on. Uh, <laughs> so your best attempts to lure me in were, were uh, even as I tagged by... you. Yes. Y- yes. But all I found out was that something bad was happening, which I already knew. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I then on Sunday was like, I just don't feel like dealing with this. Um, and so uh, I was going to watch the game yesterday if we had recorded on Monday, but when we when it became clear we weren't going to, I pushed it back another day, and so I watched it right before we started recording this show. How are you um, feeling, buddy? So the doing? emotions yeah. are all very fresh. Uh, the frustration with what I saw is very fresh. Uh, yeah, Ben is Ben's right. This was about as bad a half of soccer as this team has produced this year. Um, you know, the Union did come to Audi Field and win five one not too long ago, but I don't feel like DC played as badly in one 45 minute span in that game as they did in this game, um, which is, is saying something. Cause again, five, one, uh, you may remember um, the score to that game was five, one. Um, this was just, again, DC wasn't ready to go at the start of the game playing a team that high presses. Um, and yes, the, the union also like the Red Bulls, they switched to, a different formation, but it's one they've, they've played four, two, three, one this year. Um, they mix it in. It, it gets sprinkled in every four or five games. It's something that you need to know is on the table for them. Um, and, you know, 
on one hand, yeah, DC was at a disadvantage because the union spent all week just training for this game. They did not play midweek. DC played arguably the worst team to have to play midweek because the Red Bulls are so physical and they play such a high speed game that it's more draining to play them than just about anyone else, in my opinion. And their Um, recovery was already behind because of the stupid transcontinental flight. Yeah. Issue. The the week the the week that DC was set up with was definitely this was going to be the game that was going to be the the roughest of them or the most difficult of them, but even once you factor even if you allow for all that this was still not good enough by any stretch of the imagination this wasn't even close to good enough, um, this was a team looking like a deer in the headlights just getting run down from kickoff and the union to their credit uh, seemed to know that that game could be won that early they seemed to have that women's national team sense uh, that we saw during the the World Cup, where it's like the other team is going to be in rough shape. They're not going to be ready for the level of intensity that we can bring to the table. Let's just go out and and do everything we can to score a goal right away. Um, And the union pulled it off. Uh, They went for it and it worked and it was the right choice on their part. It was good coaching. Um, It was good execution from their players. They, I thought the union played well. They deserve some of the credit for this, but um DC has got to, if you, if you want to make the playoffs this year, you have to play well against another good team at some point. Um, and they just did not play well uh, against a good team at this, in this game. It was just, is that simple? They just, it looked like a team, you know, it, it kind of looked like what you would expect out of like Cincinnati against a good team. Oh man, that's depressing. Yeah. Well, that's, and I mean, it's accurate. That's, that's what's depressing right about it. Um, so I'm going to talk about someone who hasn't played professional soccer in a little while, um, who actually has a connection to both DC United and the Philadelphia union. Weirdly enough. Uh, I remember the moment when Ethan White's time as a DC United player was effectively done. Uh, I don't remember who it was against, but he, he, for those of you who are very new, he was a center back, a homegrown player actually for DC United. Um, in in he eventually was traded to the Philadelphia Union. He's now, um, I think, a professional photographer yeah. and a very talented one by all accounts, um, and a very cool guy, very very sweet, nice guy. Um, but the moment his DC United playing career ended was when he needlessly chased a forward who had dropped off the line to midfield and left his center back partner who at the time was Emiliano Dudar alone on an Island with on rushing attackers. And he didn't get the ball in, in this, the, the ball actually never went to that, that forward. He just followed the and dummy run Dudar, and completely and opened Dudar up the defense. In the stand. As, as yeah. happened occasionally. Yeah. He, th- this was not the, the early part of that season where Dudar was, best 11 quality it was the later part of the season where he was turned into a pillar of sand oh whoa 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 whoa, whoa. there was there was some time in that season when dudar was very very good like 45 minutes no there were there were several games not sidetrack the show on whether a guy that played one season for dc united in 2012 (laughs) merited a lot of praise or only modest praise at any rate, <laughs> Ethan White had left him right, on an island way. following. A, <laughs> <laughs> Ethan White had left him on an island. Um, and uh, it was just, it, it was, it, it was hard to understand why White not only followed that dummy run, but so aggressively passed his own midfielders to, to do it. And at least one of the goals against the Philadelphia Union was Fred Briant, a much older, more established player, doing exactly what we saw Ethan White do, just aggressively biting a dummy run and then not and then doubling down on it and following it even further past the midfield stripe. And it just made no sense and left his defense completely exposed and and um Aronson, the who scored the second goal for for Philly, completely unmarked right in the center of zone 14 space that that Briant would have been inhabiting had he not just gone on walkabout. 
And so I'm I'm curious your guys' thoughts on Briant, who had been improved, had been having a decent season. Maybe not Dudar-esque, <laughs> but having a better season. Um, You've blasted at least my in brain out into the <laughs> cosmos with your Dudar D. Uh, I I will say part of the part of the reason this goal, and we're going to get into the defensive midfield situation in the future. Um, part of the reason this goal goes badly is if you if you go back just a couple seconds before Briant makes this mistake, there's a moment where uh, DC's front four are where they're supposed to be, and then both Felipe and Junior Moreno are like right up behind them. They're not leaving. There's not like the normal uh, separation of lines where you've got the distance you need to prevent the other team from just going over the top with speed. Um, they are pushed right up against the the attacking midfield trio and there's just and you know the back four had been expecting them to be bet- equally between them rather than like a yard you know Moreno and Felipe are like a yard behind Lucho Acosta at this point um and this is what allows the union to keep cycling the ball around and eventually this is what forces Briant to step in um and track uh Prisciboco way too far out of position and then also not win the like if you're going to come that far out of position you either have to win that battle or like shove the guy down with two hands and take a yellow card. Um, he did neither of those things, um, which recalls actually Felipe at Vancouver going for the foul on Tybert and then not fouling. Um, again, if you're going to foul someone and take the card, just you have to do it though. If you're going to choose that tactic, you have to actually achieve the foul. Um, and from there, you know, you look up and all of a sudden, you know, Burnbaum is still playing left center back and, you know, maybe in the moment Briant is gone too long. Like it, there's a certain timing in, in with things on the field and you say, okay, this guy stepped up for a moment, but he'll be back. Um, and then once that, that timing goes and you're like, uh, my guy has not come back yet. This is not good. Um, you have to make an adjustment and Burnbaum never adjusted out of left center back. He just stayed where he was supposed to, as if Briant had never left. Um, you know, Briant is still the main problem here this is definitely him um making a giant mistake but you would like to see the defensive midfield in front of him maybe not open up the scenario where he might make such a, a huge mistake and you'd also like to see Burnbaum and and or Leo Hara accept like okay for for the next like five seconds we're in a back three Frederick Briant is gone he has disappeared for five seconds from the earth we have to deal without him for these five seconds and they just didn't. So it, it's, you know, it's symptomatic of what's going on with the team. You have players making huge individual mistakes, but you also have guys just not being completely plugged in at the start of the game and not being aware that that huge mistake has happened. And now you have to do something to uh, save the day. Um, we're not getting either of those things. And that is how you give up two goals in 16 minutes. All right, well, we're done talking about this game. <laughs> I made that joke in the last segment. I'm making it again. No, we have more bad news. <laughs> oh, fine. Who wants to take the lead? I don't want to take the lead anymore. <laughs> I'm done. I'm taxed. <laughs> I'm spent. Uh, ben, I, I know we've been talking about defensive midfield. Um, we talked about it when Adam wasn't here, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we did, and it was, they were just absent again it was like the all as absent as adam was yeah exactly <laughs> the goals were uh they they just sliced up the gut of this dc united team and there was nothing to stop them uh there were individual performances on the back line that failed but it before that there was just a bunch of uh midfield performances that just that just failed and it's it's uh, i think uh we we uh dismissed jason a little bit when they uh traded for felipe because we're like oh they need somebody to uh to replace canals to replace durkin while while they're out but felipe hasn't been that guy he has not done well enough in that position and i don't know if anybody else would have done better i don't know if uh uh antonio bustamante would have done better but Felipe uh, hasn't done that job and it's been bad since he's been, since he's been traded to DC United. So he has not, uh, he has not made anything better. And 
that's even ignoring the emotional distress that comes with trading for uh, Felipe. Yeah, I think he did well in the Galaxy game um, with everything stripped down to the bare essentials. It, that was a very DC played a very simple game that day for you know out of necessity because they had um, so much turmoil, so much turnover. Um, fielding a brand new defensive midfielder after like two training sessions, um, you have to strip things down to the the fundamentals and try not to make it too complicated because they're not going to be able to take on any more information. Um, so we got through that one. Uh, but then since then they've necessarily tried to then like, okay, now you have to incorporate into what we normally want to do. And in those games, it's been, it's been rough. Um, the partnership between he and, you know, it's not just Felipe, um, Junior Moreno Moreno has not been at the level that we've become accustomed to seeing him for a while. Yeah. Um, Most of this year. (laughs) Yeah. He's been off for, I think since his, um, he was out injured, I think, or maybe Mm -hmm. it was international duty, uh, somewhere a while ago. Um, and he's been off form ever since. Um, and it's, it's worrisome because if these guys, as we've seen with this group of players, when the defensive midfield has played really well, DC United plays really well. When the defensive midfield is struggling, DC United struggles. Um, you can kind of predict how DC is going to play based only on the form of that part of the team. When they, when they play four, two, three, one, um, it really does seem to hinge on what kind of performance they get in those spots. Um, the fact that, um, I think uh, Steve Goff reported that Durkin and uh, Knauss were in training and, and are at least possibly going to be able to make the trip to Montreal. I wouldn't expect either of them to play um, many minutes, certainly not from the start, but the fact that they're getting closer is, is something because that at least is competition. That's at least a reason for Moreno and Felipe to start to worry about their spot. And maybe that gets them to, um, you know, that's a spark to lift their level of play. Because they those two need something because it's not just Felipe's new. It's that the whole thing is not working. The structure of it doesn't, you know, I, I still think that Moreno should be the deeper player and Felipe should be the eight. And that's not right. what they've been doing. Um, but it's also that those two guys are just not playing very well. Um, when, when we had that discussion that Ben referenced, um, I said during that that I didn't think Felipe was having a very good year. It hadn't been like this, though. This is worse um, than what he'd been doing in Vancouver. Um, so, yeah, it, it's something's something's off with that partnership. Um, something's off with that partnership's connection with the guys in front of them and behind them. Um, there's just a lot of stuff that is not right right now. And we keep coming back to things like this. Like, this is what the third game in a row where we're talking about defensive midfield being a big problem. Um so yeah, I I don't know that Bustamante would do better, but I I don't know that he would have been able to do much worse than the last couple of games, quite frankly. Right. Yeah, exactly. At this point, we hope Canals. Uh, you have to hope that Canals has a similar effect that he did last year. His first game was the same as Rooney's first game, just before Hamid came back to the team, um, and and obviously that central midfield was locked down unbeatable during the run in last year, Mm. five games left in this regular season to try to not fall out of the playoffs, which is not where we thought we would be a few months ago. Um, It's wild. You know, I was looking at the standings. Um, I want to make sure that I was looking at up to date standings. I might've looked at this might've been during the DC broadcast. So I'm, yeah. DC is five ahead of the impact right now, but they've played one more game. Um, which means that if they can hold the impact to a draw, the chances of them falling below the impact are very, very, very slim. Um, but right now, based on current form, would you back DC United to beat anyone in MLS right now? Yeah. Or to go on the road and get a draw. Right. No. Even against, even against a team coached by Wilmer Cabrera, who, I don't know, maybe he'll, he, given, given his, history is reputation. Um, he's going to look at their academy, find one random guy, put him on the field, and he's going to score a hat trick and then never be heard from again. Yeah, and I, I don't trust this team to pull out any result right now. Yeah, no. Um, so. Time, times is tough. <laughs> time, times is hard. Um, 
Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to look for any anything to feel good about. I, I will say this: um, I had this thought, and I we kind of we kind of got away from it because we moved on. Um, I want to advocate for Pines to start over Briant, not just because this game was bad, but also like DC United just needs some change. This is one of those like you got to start yes. changing things just to shock some people into performing. Um, and it's not like Pines has been good in his last couple of appearances. Um, but you got to change something. And Briant is an established pro who made some huge mistakes in this game. And you, you know, it's hard to look around and say, well, he gets to stay in the lineup. Um, mm-hmm. yes. So, and if DC had more option, you know, if, if, um, if O'Neill Fisher were ready to go, I would be advocating for maybe him to step in for Hara for a game or two because Hara hasn't been good lately. When he was even spelled, a, he had to come in as a sub. <laughs> yeah. And even though Dewey Atcham is hurt again. So right. they basically yeah, have no uh, yeah. fullback options. Um, but yeah, if, if those guys were available, I would be saying maybe Hara needs to sit for a game just to sort of um, get him maybe maybe a little angry and maybe that gets him to play a little better. Um, with Briant, I think maybe it's more of a, you know, maybe this is time to start making the shift uh, towards a future in which Pines is the starter and Briant is the second choice guy. Um, but yeah, all over the field. Um, I don't know. In this game, the only players I think defi- that definitively did well enough to say I want them back in the lineup against Montreal were Kamara and Acosta. Yeah, I thought I thought Lucho, especially in the second half, Lucho was like, I hate I hate what's happening right now, but I'm going to try and channel it towards us not being so depressing. Um, well, he got a goal out of it too. In it's not just a goal. I mean, he, he was, I mean, it was a, it was a Lucho versus the world kind of goal. He he yeah. actually did try to pass it, and it deflected back into his path. And Ariola was like, "Let me get out of your way." <laughs> right. Um, I, so yeah, I that, do want to go ahead, Ben. I do want to bring up uh, uh, Ariola just because he's just played his butt off, and I just appre- I just want to recognize and appreciate him because out of everybody on this team over the past uh, three months, he's been the one consistent player who has consistently played his butt off and has consistently been a bright spot. And even when anybody else plays badly, Ariola plays well and tries and does his best. And I'm going to miss him when he goes to a team in Mexico or Germany or wherever, uh, this winter or next summer or whenever it happens, because it's going to happen. But I just, I just want to throw out some Paul Ariel appreciation uh, in, in this segment because he's been DC United's best player recently. And I, I think I'll throw in this um, after the Red Bulls game. I think it was um, he spoke to me or which game was it? The, the home, home loss before that um, he actually, uh, stuck around to speak with us. And it was one of those games where it's like, yeah, maybe everyone's going to get out of here real quick and not really deal with it. And he was the one that was like, I will step up and talk to you guys. Um, and that's, uh, that's leadership. Um, and maybe yeah. that's the kind of thing that's in, you know, maybe it's in short supply right now. Um, last year, Rooney seemed to be a great captain this year. Um, it seems like that's another thing that's missing is just the, the whole group is not responding to each other, uh, to the coaching staff, to anything as well as they should be. And you have to start to look at every single angle, uh, and wonder, you know, are, are the players looking at Rooney and saying like, yeah, it's been fun while you've been here, but you're leaving. So it's kind of like, what would I continue listening to you for? I don't know. This is speculative for me, but it's like, you know, there are so many little things popping up that you've got to start to wonder what's what's below that, you know, what's happening uh, below the the surface level. And yeah, every, I think everything's up for question. Um, and so when someone like Ariola is trying to take, you know, take the reins a little bit, at least it, it's, it's somebody trying to, um, you know, hold hold the guys accountable, hold himself accountable and uh, try and get better. Um, it's not. And this was another one of those games where it's frustrating because it's not lack of effort. It's that they weren't mentally at the same speed as the union. They just weren't ready to step into the arena with that other team. We said it would be a theme and it is. Should we call it a night or I don't have an uplifting thing other than 
Lucho's goal, which I already I already shot that shot. Um, we, we have nothing uplifting to get to, uh, I don't think. I, I mean, yeah, pretty much it was all pretty bad news. Um, yeah, I got nothing. Okay. I'm sad. I don't like ending the show sad, but I'm sad. These United, these United should do better if they want us to end the show less sadly. I feel like I don't want it for them, Ben. I want it for me. <laughs> but yes, DC United should do better. Do yeah. better. We all should do better. Well, thank you for listening. You're doing great. If you're still listening to us at this point, you are doing just fine. Uh, find us at blackandredunited.com. Support us financially at patreon.com slash filibuster. Uh, we're on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the, the podcast, at blackandredu for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, subscribe, download, rate, review whatever else on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly though, please tell a friend about the show. Next time you're complaining about the state of DC United, throw in that there's a podcast podcast that's not very good at saying the word podcast that uh, is a good place to, to let those emotions out. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam, and we will talk to you again real soon, hopefully with a better attitude and a better tone more optimism to look forward to. We'll see. Um, that's it for us. Say goodnight, Jason. Doodar. <laughs>